good afternoon. I hope you enjoyed the food and fellowship. Okay, never mind. Did anybody enjoy it besides two people? All right, good. I just want to make sure because just, uh, I just want to make sure that it was enjoyed by someone other than myself. I, uh, not to give too many details, but I was like, I was standing over there, like, man, that was good smoked sausage. I was just reminded of that. So I don't know who brought the smoked sausage, but that was delicious. And uh, that was very good. Turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. A warm room and a full belly could make this a little bit challenging, but I know you're going to do just fine, and uh, we're going to get through this quickly, and it'll be good. Let's pray, and we'll get started. Father, it is good to be in your house again this afternoon. We're thankful, Lord, for what you have provided for us, what you've made available to us. You are so good to us, and we need to be mindful of that today, and I pray that you'd help this message to remind us of such, and I pray that we would leave here with just a, a little bit better outlook on things, and that would uh, be good for all of us to some extent, I'm sure. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you may remember last Sunday night as we were in Luke chapter 17, we watched as it said in verse number 5 that the apostles said unto the Lord, so we realized that that was a conversation between Jesus and the 12 apostles or the 12 disciples, and their request was this, increase our faith. Now, I'm not going to deal with all that today. I just want us to be mindful of the context that as we come to our text today, nothing has changed by way of audience, by way of whom the interaction seems to be taking place. And it's with that little reminder that I want us to think about a word that some of us are familiar with. In fact, I think all of us are familiar with this. I just touched on it even in the prayer that I just prayed. But the word that I want us to think about this morning or this afternoon is perspective. Perspective. Now you may and you most likely do know what this word means, but I want to go ahead and define it for us anyways. When the word perspective is used, that is dealing with our attitude towards something. All right, when we're talking about our perspective or anyone's perspective on something, it is dealing with a person's attitude toward something. And when you stop and think about it, here is what most of us would have to admit, that we have a perspective on almost everything. It might be positive, it might be negative, we might say to an extent it's neutral, but almost anything that comes into our lives, almost anything that we have any interaction with, we have a perspective or we have a, a, a measure of an attitude or a feeling toward it. So let's think about this just very quickly, all right? If you have a job, you have a perspective on that job. You have an attitude, you have an opinion, you have a feeling toward that job. If you are married, you certainly have a perspective on marriage. You have a feeling, you have an opinion, you have thoughts on it. As a member of this community, you have a perspective on what's happening. You have a feeling, an attitude, things of that nature. Now, let me just remind us of this, and we're going to, again, work through this quickly. But sometimes, as it relates to our perspective or our attitude, sometimes that needs to be changed. 
Have you ever noticed that? That sometimes we need to have a shift in our perspective. We need to have a shift in our attitude, in our feelings, in our thoughts towards something. Truth of the matter is, is this. Sometimes we have a positive attitude on something we should have a negative attitude toward. Sometimes we don't have the right perspective on things, and so because our perspective is not what it should be, we have a positive attitude towards something that should be negative, but sometimes we have a negative perspective and a negative attitude toward things that we ought to have a positive attitude on that's dependent or the result of our perspective. Would you agree with this? Come on, don't make my job any tougher than it already is. Let's think about this. Sometimes we get a bad attitude toward our job. Has has that ever happened to you? Get a bad attitude toward the job that's based on the perspective that you're approaching it with. And sometimes that perspective needs to be changed. Maybe like reminded, did you know that there are worse jobs out there? There really are worse jobs out there. So you need to change your perspective so that your attitude will change. Sometimes we need a change of perspective in our marriage. You say, well, you don't know my spouse. You don't know my situation. And Maybe I don't know all of that, but I do think sometimes we need to be reminded it could be worse. She could be worse. He could be worse. The situation could be worse. Sometimes we need that reminder in our community. I mean, it's easy to drive around and think, well, that's ugly and that's ugly and that's wrong and that's wrong, et cetera, et cetera. And and, and yeah, it's true. But guess what? It could be worse. We could live in border. I mean, it's just, it it could be worse, and we need to have our perspective changed. Some of y'all think I'm joking. I'm not joking at all. Like, that's way nastier than Pampa. No offense to anybody who might hear that. I'm just saying, like, it could be worse. And sometimes our attitude needs to change, but that will only change when our perspective changes. All right, so it's with that in mind that I want us to think about what is happening in verse number 7 as Jesus seemingly continues his conversation with the apostles. He brings to their attention the idea of an owner having a servant, all right? He said, but which of you having a servant? Now, we got to stop here for just a moment and be reminded of some things, that in their day, for someone to own a servant, that was not an unusual or uncommon thing. We could sit here this afternoon and say, that's terrible, that's awful, I can't believe that such would take place. Somebody should have fought for the rights of the servants. Okay, maybe, but that's not what they thought 2,000 years ago. This was how their culture was structured, how things were set up, and that's just how it worked. Now, think about this as well, how most people came into possession of a servant. A servant oftentimes was purchased by the landowner or whomever it might be. And again, that sounds awful and terrible and and just so inhumane. And I get it. But something that I was reminded of this week that will play into the message in the next couple of moments is this, is that in ideal conditions, servants many times had it better than those who were perceived to be free. Now, someone might say, how in the world could such a thing be true? All right, again, under ideal conditions, here is what a servant had provided for them. Shelter, food, 
clothing, all essential needs met, if not more than that. Well, how is that better than the person who is free? Well, what were many people in their day by way of occupation? They were day laborers, meaning they would go out in the mornings in hopes of being hired for the day, but not everyone was hired every day. So you can put the math together and, and put the thoughts together and realize that if a person went out hoping to get work for the day and didn't get hired, they didn't bring home any money. If they didn't bring home any money, they didn't have money for food. If they didn't bring home any money, they didn't have money for what might be considered essentials in this life. And so someone with the perceived freedom to go and do as they wished many times had it worse than the ones who were bound to an owner. All right, so we understand this, or we need to, that as Jesus is beginning this parable and this illustration, he's already talking about things that the apostles would have been familiar with and, and understood. And so he says in, in, in all of this, he said, I want to ask you a question. I want you to consider this scenario. He said, which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by when he has come uh, when he has come from the field, go and sit down and meet, or go and sit down to meet. What, what does that mean? Well, he's just saying to the apostles, all right, let, let's say you've got a servant. And let's say that the servant has been out plowing all day, or he's been feeding the cattle, tending to the livestock. And whenever he comes in at the end of the day, he said, how many of you are going to have this response as the owner, go and sit down to meet? Go eat, go feed yourself, go refresh yourself, you take care of yourself. He's wanting them to see, is this how it would play out in everyday life? He continues in verse number eight and says, And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me? Till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. He said, this is how it actually works, and you know this. When the one who has come in from the work, when the one who has come in from the labor, here's what's actually going to happen. You're going to expect the servant to take care of you, to feed you, to do what needs to be done. And then he said, in verse number 9, Doth he think that servant because he did the things that were commanded him. So when the servant has come in, after a long, hard day of work, exerting himself, plowing, taking care of the cattle, whatever it is, whenever he's come in, is this owner saying, hey, guys, go sit down, rest. No, no, that's not how it works. And after the servant has done everything to meet the needs of the owner, is the owner now going to say, thank you? Notice how verse number nine ends. I trow not. You know what that means in today's language? Uh, I don't think so. That's not how it works. This is not how the system is set up. This is not how it takes place. He says in verse number 10, So likewise ye... What does that mean? Likewise ye. Well, in like manner or in similar fashion, when ye shall have done all these things which are commanded you, 
All right, so apostles, you've been told to do this, you've been told to do this, you've been told to go here, you've been told all these different things. He said, likewise ye, in the same manner, when you have done all things that were commanded you, here is the attitude or the perspective you should have. We are unprofitable servants. We are just worthless servants, comparatively speaking. We have done that which was our duty to do. What does it mean for something to be our duty? Well, it's talking about our responsibility, what should be expected of us or what should be required of us. So if you'll take these thoughts and just kind of merge them together in your mind with me, here is Jesus speaking of servants who have worked hard, who have given themselves to the effort of the owner. When they come in, there is still more required of them. And he said, the owner doesn't even say thank you. He's not even appreciative in the moment. You're simply doing what you've commanded, you've been commanded to do. And it should be realized by the servant, I'm just doing my job. Now, what was the picture that God or that Jesus was trying to communicate to the, the apostles or the disciples? Well, I think it's a couple of things, and, and, and just follow this with me. All right? They were servants of the Lord. Okay, They were servants of the Lord, which meant they lost some of their perceived freedoms. You know, because as a servant of the Lord, they couldn't just live life however they wanted to. Well, one might assume of the apostles, man, that stinks for you. Man, that's too bad for you. It's terrible that, that you've lost your freedoms as a servant of the Lord. But, but the disciples or the apostles kind of needed to be reminded of this. Uh, you actually have it better than everyone else out there whose master is not the Lord. Okay, you don't have just a decent master. You don't have just an okay master. You've got a good master in the Lord. And so really, apostles, you know how good you've got it. So again, with your help and, and, and or with the help of the Lord and, and attitude or perspective and, and things like this, he is saying, apostles, don't get bent out of shape over what I ask you to do. What I've asked you to do and what I expect you to do is just your duty, just your reasonable service. All right. Now, I, I think if, if you're still with me, you, you can see where this is headed, okay, by way of application. I, I want us to to think about a couple of questions, and we'll wrap it up. Here's the first question. As a servant of the Lord, can it sometimes feel like we've lost out on certain freedoms? Come on now. We may never do this again if this is like, uh, all right. 
it can feel that way sometimes, right? I mean, let's be honest. Oh, it's Sunday. If we're not careful, what's the perspective? I have to go to church. I have to be there at 10 o'clock for Sunday school or 11 o'clock for church or, oh, I, I have to be back Sunday night. I have to be there Wednesday night. Can that sometimes become our attitude? Like we've lost the freedom to kind of do what we want to do at times. It feels that way. Sometimes it feels like well, if I don't give my money, somehow it's going to come back on me. Not that I preach that to you on a regular basis. You don't hear me beating y'all up about money. But, but sometimes we can have that attitude, right? Like, man, just look what I could do if I didn't have to give this. Whether y'all realize this or not, some people feel that way. That's why their checkbook looks the way that it does, okay? It's like, oh, I have to. That, that's the attitude. That's perspective, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's like, man, I, I have to do this and the work of the Lord, and, and I have to read my Bible, and I have to pray, and, and sometimes it feels like we've lost certain privileges because we are servants of the Lord. And then here's what also tends to happen. We can tend to get this martyr complex. Have you ever had a martyr complex? Good grief. Good for y'all, okay? I'm just saying I've had a martyr complex before. Like, woe is me. Woe is me. Probably, you know, just based on everything that's happening in my life and what's going on, I'm probably going to get a pretty big crown when I get to heaven because of the, of the situation I'm currently dealing with. Like God is just expecting and requiring so much of me. I think sometimes our perspective, and, and maybe not, I don't know, y'all might be just doing incredible right now, but I think for me, sometimes the perspective shifts in a negative way, and I start thinking, I am really going above and beyond the call of God on my life. I'm sacrificing I'm doing, I'm giving, I'm just continuing to give, I'm just poured out, whatever the drama would be. Woe is me. And here's what I want. I want a big thank you. I want the Lord to just be like, good job, Kyle. You're doing so great. I'm so proud of you. Man, I don't know if I've ever seen a servant quite like you. That, it's silly, but I kind of want some praise. I kind of want some attaboys. Like, somebody tell me how good I am, especially the Lord. Like, Lord, just remind me how good I am and how privileged you are to have me. Is that how it works between the servant and the owner? I try not. Like, I don't think so. You know what I need to be reminded of? 
somewhat frequently when my perspective is wrong, I need to be reminded of this. Whenever I'm doing what's commanded of me, whenever I'm doing what's expected of me, all I've done is my duty. All I've done is what's my responsibility. I read my Bible this week. Right, you should have, dummy. I spent time in prayer. Uh-huh, all Christians do that. I was at church. Woohoo! you were commanded to be in church. This is just our responsibility. I tried to be obedient to the Lord, and I tried to do this, and I tried to do that, and, 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 and I'm, just, I'm just trying so hard. No, no, no. I'm doing what is just expected of me. Nothing I do and nothing you do, whether you realize it or not, nothing we do for the Lord is exceptional. I am not an exceptional Christian, and if this hurts your feelings, I'm sorry, but you're not an exceptional Christian. All we're doing is our responsibility. Well, sometimes it just seems so heavy, and sometimes the cross just seems more than we can bear, and, and sometimes it's just, it's so tough. Okay, time out. Could we stop with that nonsense? And I said we. You know why we have no place to gripe about what's required of us? Look at what our master has done for us. So much is expected. I mean, I'm just one step above Borger. I mean, like... Whatever, the, whatever the, the, the emotional plea would be, right? Just so much. Hold on, let's compare what our master did for us. 2,000 years ago, he came to the earth to die on the cross for our sins. Now, right there, that's enough for us to say, okay, I'll stop comparing. He's given more than I've been asked to give. He's done more on my behalf than I've ever done on his behalf. Okay, so the fact that he came to this earth to die on the cross for the sins of mankind, that should silence all of us immediately. But but let's think about this. Though Christ came 2,000 years ago, he then allowed us to come into contact with that gospel, with that good news. He brought somebody into our lives to share with us the gospel, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. We deserve that? No. You know this, but I'm just going to mention it anyways. He came to this earth. He died on the cross. He allowed us to cross paths with someone who would share with us the gospel. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to our hearts in such a way 
that we accepted the gospel. We didn't do that because of our sensitivity. We didn't do that because of our understanding or because of our depth. Every bit of the work of salvation is because of Jesus Christ. All we did was humble ourselves and say, I accept and I believe and I repent and we call upon the Lord. That's, that's what it took for us to become a servant of the one who died for us. When he, called, when he called on us and when we, when he called on us and we called on him to save us, he did that. And then try to imagine what your life would look like without him. I mean, just, just compare your life prior to salvation and where your life is today. Do you see any upside to it being saved? Yes, we haven't lost anything by becoming a servant. We have gained everything we could ever need and more than we could ever ask for. There is not a single person in this room, I don't care what your situation is, there is not a single person in this room who has not had more than enough bestowed upon you by the Lord. And that's just because of his goodness and his kindness, his generosity, all those things. Sometimes we need our perspective changed. You're struggling with being faithful. You're struggling with Whatever it is, you're struggling in the Christian walk, and it's just too much. No, it's not. This is just our duty. It's just our reasonable service. Somebody says, Brother Kyle, I know that. Yeah, we know it, but we don't always act like we know it. Sometimes we just need to say, hold on, hold on, hold on. I am the blessed one, being a child of God, being the servant of God. I am blessed, and whatever is expected of me, whatever is required of me, I'm just a worthless servant anyways. I didn't deserve any of this. And, and I'm just going to carry on with a good attitude, a good spirit, a good outlook, and not allow Satan to, to influence my mind to just plunge further into the depths of discouragement. If you ever find yourself thinking it just requires a little too much to be a servant of the Lord, just remind yourself what's been done for you. And it, it, it might, it might just help get the perspective back to where it needs to be. Let's all stand this afternoon and we'll have a word of prayer.